Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City podcast. I'm Simon Kraft, and who's alongside me today? You know there's nothing more than this, it's Ben Aspinall. That's right, popular York City podcast returns. Oh yeah! Not my words, the words no? of the York press there. Oh, excellent. Um, yeah, friend of the pod, uh, Teaching John has sent us a screenshot of an article in the press. Mm, so yeah, that's the title, Popular York City Podcast Returns. That was published on 2nd of February. We, we didn't really have much of a break, but but it's still nice to get recognition by the uh, the local written word. I don't know. I, I'll be honest, I haven't actually got around to reading the article in full. I've just seen this screenshot no, of the headline. No, me neither. Me neither. Have you not either? Oh, we should probably bring it up, shouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Have a Google. Yeah, have a look. Let me get that open now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's give it a read out to us, Simon, and the audience. We can uh, reflect on uh, some positive feedback from uh, the local media, which I'm really looking forward to hearing. Yeah, so it's by Gabriel Ramsey, sports reporter. Oh, Angel Gabriel. Hang on, the, the full headline here says, Popular York City Podcast Returns for 11th Season. Well, you uh, know, you might want to check your facts there. We've not been going that long, but... <laughs> well, that's local press for you, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so, open paragraph. York Hospital Ball's York City podcast will be returning for Series 11 this coming Sunday. The York uh, Hospital Ball podcast helps raise money with hugely popular podcast episodes speaking to former footballers and personnel re- related to York City. Uh, uh, that's... Hang so on. what's it called? York Hospital Ball. I've, I, I genuinely thought that was about ballrooms. Right. Well, no, it's, uh, oh. it's a York City podcast. Maybe they're... Um, Maybe they mention us further down. Let me just scroll. Yeah, yeah. Just do a little control F yeah. on that one. Um, no. Oh. So there's nothing. There's nothing about us in there. That's 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 fine, actually, isn't it? Yeah. I, well, we didn't want all these new bit Johnny Cummings coming in, did we? Anyway, so no. Yeah. It's uh, mm-hmm. he's probably just not. He's he's probably working on a longer piece about same old city. Do you think? I I, I can't think of any other explanation. Sorry, what was the name of the, the podcast again? York Hospital Ball. Okay, let me just write that down on my list. I'll maybe start penning a strongly worded letter. Mm-hmm. Disappointed yeah. of Badger Hill. Yeah. Tormented of Tobberden might co-sign it. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Alliteration, see? But I have that on the um, on the uh, ballroom podcast, whatever it is. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's set that to one side. And let's talk about what we're going to look at in this week's episode. So we are going to reflect on the one-all draw at home against Maidenhead United and a contender for a goal of the season, I believe. I wasn't there, Ben, but I think there was a uh, very decent Clinical. Strike. Clinical's the word that I would use. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're also going to react to the exciting news that's just broken today that we've got a left back. This is the greatest day of my life. And we'll look ahead to what's coming up and look at some talking points as well. But let's get straight into Saturday's game. So, Ben, you were there at the LNER, weren't you? As mentioned mm-hmm. previously, I was uh, I was elsewhere for my wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was, of course, following along on social media. So I did get to see the lineup that leaked, and it was unchanged. It wasn't really a surprise, was it? He was quite positive about the performance, I think the key takeaway, wasn't it, from the, the post-match interview was that it was two incidents in defence let us down and that's how we lost the game. So I wasn't really surprised. Um, I think I might be in maybe a, a minority here, but you know, I would like to see Lati Fairweather when he's available at left wing back. But he stuck with this 4-4-2 thing. And uh, yeah, we all, had to, we all had to grin and bear it. Yeah, the only sort of major thing to note was that Dan Batty was back on the bench. He was. Uh, which was nice to see. So slightly earlier, I think, than we anticipated him being back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in terms of the game itself, obviously I've caught up on the highlights, but how did you see sort of the opening of the game unfolding? Yeah, it was a bit of a strange one. Um, we couldn't really get any rhyme or rhythm going but with the performance. Certain things weren't quite working and you could tell quite quickly. Uh, for example, Chadwick playing on the left wing in this this rather befuddling four four two. I mean he tried his might he tried to get involved in the game, but it wasn't quite happening um straight away. I think Mainhead settled into the game a little bit better than we did, you know, and obviously they had the opening goal quite early on in the game. 
And nothing quite was uh, coming off straight away, to be honest with you. Davis has a decent effort early on, uh, powered away by the goalkeeper. Rather straightforward save, but, you know, you've got to have a go uh, when the opportunity arises. And, yeah, we didn't really get going, to be honest with you. See, it's not quite caught on the highlights, but um, I am sad to report that um, Mainhead's opening goal does come from a uh, loss of the ball by Crooks in a left-back position. What the highlights do show is that Fallerfield seems to win the ball back on the halfway line. Mm. And it seems like we've got it back, but do you think Burgess is a bit slow to react there? I think so, the yeah. Um, if, if, if we are being uh, critical and trying to find, you know, do a proper autopsy of the performance, it's a decent enough interception from Fallerfield. And yeah, maybe maybe the Burgess isn't quite switched on there. Um, I don't know, you'd have to ask him. But yeah, he doesn't seem to react as quickly as perhaps he should do. And that results in the ball coming back towards um, York's goal. It's a decent bit of build-up play by Maidenhead. You have to say kudos to the finish. Yeah, it gets worked to Jaden Mitchell Lawson over on the right, um, who sort of brings it into the box. Adam Crooks is is kind of trying to block his angle for a shot, but then he cuts it back to Ashley Nathaniel George, who we remember from the away game. Your friend of mine. Yeah. But yeah, there's three City players around him but he still manages to get his shot away into the top left corner. I mean, it's a good mm-hmm. finish, like you say. It's a good little passing move, but when there's that many players around him, you, you've got to be trying to block the shot, you would think. Yeah, uh, I think City fans would be right to feel disappointed about that. You can see the frustration in the reaction to both um, Howe and Sykes Kenworthy, but upon reflection, what I felt at the time, and then watching the highlights back, it's, it's well worked, I suppose. It's a decent finish. Echoes of, I don't know if you can remember this, Simon, um, Dyson at home to Oldham last season in the early season game, uh, the Van Calder game. Nice little rising shot close to the um, six-yard box. But yeah, we're not really used to going behind mm. in the first half. We're used to going ahead and then not hanging on. So I was sort of thinking, oh, what happens now? We've gone behind early. Yeah, and that's a situation we're not used to. So how are we going to react? But it seems like we did improve after that. After we'd had, like you mentioned, a slow start, so we had a chance on twenty-four minutes uh, on the counter, where Dippo wins the ball inside his own half. There's a nice little outside of the boot flick to Billy Chadwick, who brings it forward, and again plays a nicely weighted ball through to Will Davis. But Davis puts his shot straight at the. Maidenhead keeper, Craig Ross. Mm -hmm. I think, could he maybe go around him instead? It seems like it would be maybe a better move because he's not really got the angle to shoot there. I think I agree with you. You can see he's trying to do a cheeky nutmeg of the goalkeeper and make it look simple. Um, I guess the only thing I would say is perhaps the defender is, you know, his his defender's to one one side of him, to his right side, maybe sees him in the corner of his vision. Perhaps he's a bit worried about that and he feels like he needs to get a shot away quicker. I agree with you. I'd like to have seen him drag it onto his left and uh, put it in with, his, in with his left foot. But, you know, if you want to take the positives from it, I think that's the best bit of build-up we've seen involving those um, three attackers. Dippo does really well to win the ball where he does. And you mentioned the outside-the-foot pass there. Really good. Chadwick's through ball, um, you know, completely dissects the uh, back line of Mainhead. And Davis is making that lovely run. So whilst you could be frustrated with the finish, I think it's only fair that we give kudos to the three for for working that chance, especially considering it's like a long ball through to Dippo and he worked so hard to uh, to start the opportunity. So fair enough to those three. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've written down a nice bit of interplay between mm-hmm. the three of them. And that is yeah, what we want to see happening is sort of quick passing moves uh, between those three. And we've maybe not seen quite enough of that, but wasn't exactly a nice bit of interplay that led to our equaliser. Ah. So that is on 28 minutes where we've got a free kick over on the right, taken by Scott Burgess. Pretty poor delivery, in all honesty. Gets headed clear, but Alex Woodyard plays it back to Burge. He then puts a very high looping cross into the area. Mm-hmm. I think it's Will Smith who wins a header at the back post. And then Foster Dippo, whose shot is saved down low by the keeper. But then who is there to to smash a very powerful shot right into the top corner? I'll tell you who it isn't. It's not Will Davis. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what the uh that's what the social media notification and I think the BBC match report still claims mm. that it was Davis, but yeah, I mean we've seen the highlights, but we've also seen the the nice angle 
sort of down at pitch level, which really uh, mm-hmm. does the goal justice. It's uh, it's Sam Beckwith, the mm. the maidenhead number three. Yeah, absolutely rifling it into into his own goal. What do we think he's trying to do? I'd be checking his Skybet account, frankly. No, it's he's trying to clear it over the bar, isn't he? He's trying to get it past the overside the post. I weirdly sympathise with him because it's just a momentary lack of concentration, isn't it? His reaction, head up, you know, um, hands on his head, just sheer annoyance with himself. I can only imagine that frustration, especially as they worked so hard to to get a, a lead, which I probably felt deserved at the time, and to to let uh, York back into the game, especially in that first half. It's shades of, and this is one for our older listeners, and maybe you might remember this one, Simon. Do you remember Wayne Hatswell in the FA Cup? I believe it was Morecambe versus Forest Green, where he manages to stop it in his own line before smashing it into the into the top corner. No, uh, I'd, have to refresh, I'd have to refresh my memory by, by checking back on that one. It's a case of a defender with no reason to do what he does doing it. Uh, there is no reason for uh, Beckwith to smash this into, into his top corner in the same way that um, Hatswell did the same. God, it must be 25 years ago now. An absolute classic on YouTube. I'm sure it's still knocking about. Treat yourself. Give it a, give it a Google. Uh, and a certain, certain similarities with this. Just... Looking at, I remember at the time, everyone around us was thinking, why on earth has he done that? But yeah, we're back in it, one all. Bit of a gift. Next highlight I wanted to talk about is just a couple of minutes later, where Maidenhead have a bit of a penalty appeal. Um, it's one of their players, I think it's Ashley Nathaniel George again, bringing the ball into the box from the left. Cuts inside Callum Howe, and then seems to sort of fall over Howe's trailing leg. Looks like a fairly blatant dive from the highlights. Mm-hmm. Would you go along with that? Yeah, and that was right in front of us at the south stand. Some main head players had the gall to protest <laughs> the lack of penalty. Again, a moment that's not captured in the highlights, but um, Arkal returned to the scene of the non-crime to suitably admonish the main head attacker um, and call him some choice words, which you probably couldn't repeat on this family-friendly podcast, and rightfully so. Um, it's a very, very cheeky dive. There's no place for that in a modern game unless it's a York player trying to win us a penalty this season. So, yeah, it's one all at half-time. Didn't seem to be the most eventful of halves or games in general, really. The highlights were only four and a half minutes long. Sometimes it runs to about ten minutes. <laughs> but there are a few points to talk about in the second half. Uh, in particular, when Dippo hits the post early on in the second half. <laughs> See, Dippo did be dirty with this because towards the end of the first half, I had voiced to my friends in the South Stand, an element of frustration with the performance that Dippo was giving. I don't, I think I mentioned on here before, haven't I? Um, I've got a little bit in my bonnet that since returning to the first team, he's not been a Dippo of um, the summer and the autumn. And that's always going to be difficult because he was on a decent run. He had probably a better match fitness and, and such. And in the first half, he wasn't looking too great other than that build-up play that we mentioned earlier involving um, Chadwick and Davis. This is very early in the second half, this um, receiving the ball, putting it on his right and just absolutely walloping it. He hit that and it stayed hit. Keeper's nowhere near it and it's rattling the post. It was so unlucky. And that just goes to show the quality that we have with Akinyemi and that he sometimes might not be on it. He sometimes not be, might not be having the best game. But if he could just conjure up something like that out of nowhere, what a player he, he is. He's so, so good. We're very, very lucky to have him. And oh, if that had just... Just swung lovely into the top corner. I would have had football pie all over my shirt. Yeah, and it comes from a, a clearance from GSK mm. uh, that comes to Dippo. He takes a couple of touches and then, yeah, just clearly decides, I'm going to absolutely leather this. <laughs> and, yeah, a couple of inches to the left, and that is a goal of the season contender to rival Sam Beckwith's goal in the first half. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fine margins. When we consider he had that solo effort against Oxford City, Mm. that rattled the post as well. If those two go in, we're probably saying he's in great form. Yeah. And he has another chance on 63 minutes. Again, it's sort of a, a lofted ball over the top, this time by Woodyard. Um, but yeah, it comes to Dippo, and he sort of drags his shot wide from the edge of the D. It's not too far wide, but looking at the highlights, he's got Will Davis on one side and Burgess running through on the other. Yeah. It's probably one way he should, should pass rather than shoot, do you think? 
yeah, he, he has that in the locker, doesn't he? Where he can sometimes take a chance on a shot when the pass is um, maybe a better opportunity. Maybe he has it in his head based off what had just happened moments before with the F that hit the post. I think the pass was on. I think probably to Burge because he's got Fallerfield with him. But, you know, this is us dissecting it to a minuscule level. So I can understand why he went for it. Yeah, he backs himself to score and it's not a bad effort. But yeah, I mm. just think it would have been probably, if he if he waits the pass right, either side of him, it's probably a much easier chance for one of them. Yeah. What is a much easier chance is the one that came to Maidenhead a couple of minutes after that when they've got a free kick swung in from the right. And Sam Beckwith again, Mr. OG, wins the header. <laughs> um, and it's on to Toby Show Silver, who really should have a tap in there. He's, he's completely mm. free a couple of yards out, but just completely misses the ball. Yeah. Would have maybe been a borderline offside call, but yeah, he, he should be hitting the back of the net, shouldn't he, there? I mean, I'm not doing my um, due diligence here and my job as a amateur journalist, but... I don't recall this effort at the time in terms of whether the assistant referee gave an offside or not. You can see some players, I think you see Howe and Fallerfield both with their arm in the air kind of protesting it. But you don't see whether there's an, a flag raised and you don't see whether the offside is given. So if that goes in, I don't know for definite if it's ruled out or not. So um, let's presume it was onside based on the reaction. And that would have been very, very frustrating, wouldn't it? Because the game has kind of settled into a groove. We were probing and made ahead of sitting back. It would, have been, it would have been a bit of a sucker punch, to be totally honest with you, looking at the flow of the second half in particular. Yeah, we definitely seem to have more chances. Um, and we had another one on 71 minutes. Uh, Will Davis involved again. He has a shot from a bit of a wide angle, which is straight at the keeper. But then from the keeper's save, it comes straight out to Daddy McLaughlin, rushing in. Mm. Um, he's timed his run perfectly, but he just cannot get his foot in right there. It's another one where, yeah, if if he gets it right, it's 2-1, or maybe reflecting on this game slightly differently. No, you're right. That is the worst miss from Daddy since my sixth birthday. <laughs> I just It's his wrong foot, isn't it? And he swings at it, but he's a professional footballer. You expect him to at least get an effort away there. Classic York City, if you just look at the highlights, uh, I love that sea of um, hands on heads in the south stand um, after Daddy's right-footed golf swing. I didn't think there was any more great chances really after that I mean we made mm -hmm. a couple of subs uh, John Lewis came on for Will Davis and then uh, Finley Barnes came on for Chadwick with about 10 minutes to go but the game seemed to sort of fizzle out a bit so yeah it's another home draw uh, we've had many of those this season and it's it's another one where it feels probably more like two points dropped yeah uh, I mean we said it wasn't necessarily must win last week but as close as you can get to that at this stage of the season. Yeah. Do you think a draw was a fair result or should we have probably won it? I think when I say that a draw was a fair result, that makes it sound like Maidenhead played as well as we did. It's more we didn't play as well as we should have done and Maidenhead defended well enough to, you know, earn the, the draw. So based on that interpretation, it's probably a fair result. In a podcast last week, I did categorise this game as must not lose and I think that's fair. We did... We, we didn't really like losing. I was surprised to see people on social media say, oh, if that game had gone on for another five, maybe ten minutes, we'd have got the winner. I really didn't see it coming. It wasn't like it was um, relentless pressure from York. We were having half chances and we were, and we were pressurised, you know, pressuring Mainhead by all means. But no, I don't think the goalkeeper, I don't think he had to make a save, did he really, in that second half? Can't, no, not, not really. So, yeah, a very, very frustrating day at the office for... Uh, York, a very frustrating performance, especially so you know after what happened at Hartley Pool, you kind of want a bit more of a reaction from certain players. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we quite got that. Yeah, I mean, Adley was again fairly upbeat in his post-match interview, at least compared mm -hmm. to to fans' reaction. Um, but let's take a look at some of that fan reaction that we had on Twitter. So we had a tweet from Sean Wathy who said, another frustrating game where it's two points dropped. We carry Burgess in the hope he puts in that one great cross. He's lightweight and delivery is erratic. Not seeing anything to get excited by with Chadwick either. Hope we get a couple in sooner rather than later. Another tweet here from Rich McCart. We don't possess anyone in central midfield capable of receiving the ball to feet and then making a positive foray into the opponent's half. So we're reduced to long balls out of defence. 
and hoping that Chadwick, Dippo and Davis would win aerial duels. Mitch is surely worth a go. <laughs> well, yeah, we covered that last week and we think it's probably unlikely, but hopefully Batty can can maybe make that difference in terms of uh, you know being another option in midfield. And Dave Hughes said, a frustrating game that we really needed to win. How hard is it to find a decent left-back, even on loan? Crooks is better in the centre. I don't see us going on any sort of run. It's more going to be a battle to stay up. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that was written before the uh, news broke that we'd signed a left-back, but yeah, that probably leads nicely on to our talking points. So our first talking point then should be about that signing. So we've signed Danny Amos on loan from Grimsby Town till the end of the season, and he is very much a left-back. And Matthew Clegg had a, a question about this that said, well, you've got a new left-back to talk about, unless you've already started recording. Well, no, we hadn't started recording. Uh, the club have very kindly agreed to only announce <laughs> signings on the day we record. Um, and if they can't get it over the line before that, then the signings are cancelled, unfortunately. So We yeah. don't make the rules. No, a few have slipped through the net over the course of the season, but we think you'll agree it's worth it. I don't know a huge amount about him previously, so I've got up his mm-hmm. Wikipedia page, as we always do when we get a new signing. He's uh-huh. 20, 24 years of age. Came through the ranks at Doncaster. A couple of loans out to Buxton and Hartlepool. Then on to Port Vale, where he didn't really play. And then Grimsby, where he sort of found his feet, because he was part of their team that, that went up through the playoffs a couple of years ago from the National League. Uh, but hasn't sort of been able to hold down his place in the team in League Two, hence why they've made him available on loan. Obviously, we've known we've needed a left-back for quite a long time, so this has to be a positive move. So what are your thoughts on this one? I'm happy about this based on two things. It plugs a problem position for us. We've shown that we uh, like playing four at the back and five at the back. He's adept at playing in both both of those particular positions, um, which is obviously very different to um, his former teammate at Grimsby, uh, Crooksy. He's won promotion from this division. He has League 2 experience. And he comes with some rave reviews. Um, Mariner that I know is uh, not surprised that he's come to us, but um, thought he would probably stay in the league. So that's uh, a good sign for us. Um, reckons he could probably still do a job at league level. It just so happens, basically, they bought a more consistent, better left back for league football at Grimsby, which is fair enough. That's how these things tend to happen. Yeah, so there's a few things to pick up on, I guess. You mentioned that he's a former teammate of Adam Crooks, and I saw a few Grimsby fans sort of uh, making jokes about that, saying that Adam Crooks is going to be gutted when Amos <laughs> arrives in training and he's going to take his position again. Can you imagine Crooksy just driving into Wiggins the Road training ground and just goes for his spot and there it is. Amos won. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think they're going to be in direct competition, actually, because we know everyone prefers Crooks at centre-back, particularly in a three, mm-hmm. whereas Amos seems much more of a natural left-back or even wing-back. We did have another question related to Amos. So this one's from Liam Hartley, who asks, would you play Amos, Crooks, Howe, Fallowfield, and drop Smith, or play a back five? Honestly, I'm not sure. I, I quite like the idea of playing a back four because it gives us an extra player further up the field, but mm-hmm. it hasn't exactly worked in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've not actually been scoring more goals or even creating more chances with the four at the back. So it seems like maybe the five at the back suits us a little bit better. But then we don't know how that might change with Amos in the team. So, yeah, mm. we also don't know whether he's more suited to playing at left back or at left wing back. By all accounts, he's a bit of an all-rounder maybe, not not a TLF style marauding attacking wing back, but not a, a crook's style player who who sort of gets a nosebleed when he crosses the halfway line. So have to reserve judgment on that one until we've seen him play a little bit more. I think you're completely right. I quite like the three five two for for the solidity that it offered because it's clear that we're um we're lacking in midfield and a little bit up top at the moment in you know in our fluidity. This allowed a very solid defensive base from which to work from. We're definitely conceding fewer goals with um that back three of Smith Howe and Crooks. If Amos can come across as uh, a left-footed Fallowfield, then we should be okay. So it's kind of one of those things where it remains to be seen. Um, and also with the the question that you read out from, from Twitter there, 
Um, I wouldn't be so certain it would be Smith that were dropping. Um, I mean, Crooks could lose his place if, if it goes for back four. I'm not sure I'd be dropping Smith either because I think he's been pretty decent for a yeah. while now. And he's also been getting forward quite a bit more recently. Um, so I would say it might even be Crooks who drops out if we went to a to a back four. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll we'll see how it plays out in the next few games. Right, let's move on to another talking point because we had a couple of questions related to Neil Ardley. Mm. So Matthew Clegg asks, following yet another ball draw at home, there's been a definite air of despondency among the fan base and mutterings mm. in the direction of the manager. Is the honeymoon period over for Ardley? And a related question from James Richardson says, if Neil Ardley had taken a shorter term view regarding loan signings, tactics, etc., might we have had a kiddie style new manager bounce? But which may not have been beneficial in the long term. I think possibly, but I prefer this method as long as we stay up this season. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, let's take the first one of those. Is the honeymoon period over? I think it is. I think I definitely saw an uptick in people questioning, not necessarily Ardley's position, but maybe some of mm. his decisions. Um, yeah. Whereas people have been sort of willing to give him a free pass just based on the uh, the factors that were out of his control. Do you think the honeymoon period's over? I think it's a great question, and I'm glad that we're tackling it. Um, on social media and the forums, straight away, you know, when, when passions are high, you know, the blood's pumping, and everyone's apoplectic about failing to beat Maidenhead, you could definitely see some backlash against Ardley. But I also think it was, in particular, it was a backlash against his post-match comments. Um, I believe, um, sorry, I don't have the comments in front of me, so I'm spitballing here. I think he was very, very positive about the performance, which is, you know, as is right, I'd rather have a manager kind of see things in a positive sense, I suppose. But I think uh, a few fans have felt antagonised by the fact he felt it was so positive as opposed to the rather dour draw and performance that it was. So I can understand that. In the cold light of day, a few days after um, the result and after digesting the highlights and really thinking about the performance, tied in now with... Um, you know, the, the green shoots and positivity that comes from finally signing a left-back who was established and quality in it for this division. I think the honeymoon period's over, but Chris needs to start making, you know, movements in the right direction. Um, at least we're not frequently losing games. That Hartley pull defeat is, what, one out of eight, nine? And I know there's a lot of draws in there. I think there. it's one in ten. One in ten, yeah, potentially. So he's trying to, you know, be solid, and, you know, get away with the, the 1-0s and the 2-1 victories, um, as we saw against Oxford City. Um, he's trying to get a tune out of those, that, that uh, front three. I think it was a mistake to go 4-4-2. I don't think Chadwick's good enough as a left winger, like an old-school, you know, left-sided um, winger there. He's better um, elsewhere, higher up the pitch, I think. Maybe if you want to talk about inside forwards and all that sort of, you know, football manager-esque tactic speak. But he's definitely not a, a winger in a flat four four two, so hopefully he's learnt his lesson there. I think it's just somehow if it's Batty or someone else, just get that next midfielder in. We need to freshen it up a little bit. I think the honeymoon period is poss probably over because of this frustration that's coming from a perceived lack of progress up the table. The victories are coming here and there, but you're not seeing a proper proactive and positive performance on the field. You're seeing um, solidity at the back. Strength and defence, but you're not seeing the excitement up top. And that was definitely reflected 100% in the main head game. It was so boring. And I'll take boring if we win 1-0 or if we win 2-1. And we can clog on and get safe and think about next season. But you need to win. And we're not doing that enough at present. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think there's a few things that people are starting to get frustrated with about Ardley, but... Whether that's justified, I don't know. I think one of them is the is like you mentioned the stodgy, slightly boring style of play, um, which the counter argument would be that's what Ardley's trying to do this season. He's realised what tools he's got at his disposal. He's decided that's the best way to get. I us mean, safe. in defence of Ardley, you're completely right there. He has said, "I need to play this way for now because the defence needs to be stronger, and we need to stop. We need to stop conceding so many goals. We need to stop bleeding goals." And we have, for the, mo you know, for the most part, what we've conceded two against Hartlepool, three against Hartlepool at home. Aside from that, we're only conceding at most one goal a game, and I can, as far as I can remember right now. So, 
he's good on his word. He has told us as a fan base what he's doing and why he's doing it. So you can't really say fairer than that right now. Yeah, I think the other thing some people got frustrated by is, as you mentioned, the positive post-match interviews when some people mm. come away thinking, oh, that was a really frustrating or disappointing performance. But I think there's a, there's an explanation for that as well, which is we're getting towards the end of the season. I think he wants to foster a spirit of positivity and sort of we're all in this together yeah, kind of vibe because he was being critical of them earlier in the season. But what purpose would that serve at this point? He, he's obviously thinking, well, if I'm just getting on the backs after every game, you know that's that's not really going to help. Let's you know let's celebrate what we've done well and work on what we haven't done so well on the training ground. Would be mm-hmm. the the explanation, I guess. I'm very much seeing this season now, not as a repeat of 2013-14. I think we can give up on that now, <laughs> but a little bit like the 2008-09 season, which was Foyle's first season. Yeah, where again he inherited a squad that was kind of all over the place that had been put together by a manager who didn't really know what they were doing uh to be brutally honest and it was just a case of right let's do what we need to to not be in that bottom four at the end of the season um mm-hmm. and then we saw what Foyle did the season after when he was able to bring his own players through uh just the style of play slightly so I think that's probably a decent parallel um, and yeah, I'm, I'm agree still willing to give Adley basically a free pass as long as he keeps us up <laughs> Um, and that that's the key point. It, as soon as we start getting results, th- you know, people will uh, people will be on board again. So it is mm. just all about uh, scraping those results however we can. If does if that uh, front three collective just clicks a little bit more, you know, if um, Dippo exhibits a bit more uh, match fitness, if Chadwick finds his place, if Davis can get a few more goals, you know, we'll be looking back on this and and laughing at our naivety. There's been moments of it during the course of their uh, games together. I'm thinking particularly in the first half, Boreham Wood, and uh, moments on Saturday, but I would rather it not be in a 4-4-2, as I've said before. So if that clicks and that works out, we start getting some goals. If the defence stays solid, then you know we can try and fix that midfield in our own time. But I worry at the moment because that attack hasn't clicked just yet. Yeah, a slightly related question to the style of play here from Matthew Clulo, who says, why are we so effing slow? That's in mm. terms of actual running, but also in terms of picking a creative forward pass. Um, and I think that relates to the slightly risk-averse style that yeah. we're playing, where we'd rather hold on to it, play a sideways pass, than, than play a risky pass that, that might go wrong. And that style has led to us being difficult to beat. But yeah, on the flip side, maybe if we were a little bit more risky, you know, if you win a game and lose a game, that's three points. You know, that's a point better than if you draw two in a row. So maybe we should be being a little bit more risky now, now that we've brought in better attacking players. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we don't seem to have that player who can who can make those through balls. I mean, we, we singled out that Kai Kennedy pass for Dippo's consolation goal at Hartlepool last week. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of ball that can split a defence, which we seem to be lacking. And, yeah, I don't know if we've necessarily got anyone who can come in to do that. Obviously, we didn't see that much of Batty before his injury. Don't know whether he's necessarily that player either. But, yeah, that, that does seem to be one area of the team which is uh, which is lacking. And, yeah, I, I do sometimes think other teams seem to play at a bit of a quicker pace than we do. Yeah. Next talking points about penalties. This comes from Essex Benji. <laughs> says, we've conceded the second most penalties in the National League this season, which is six, and we're one of only two teams not to receive a penalty. Given the quality of refereeing and being on the end of some bizarre decisions, do we need to be a bit more savvy to get more decisions? Um, what do you think on this one? I understand Maidenhead were, were trying out every trick in the book on Saturday, <laughs> um, although obviously they didn't get a penalty. But do we need to... To be a bit more savvy? Well, I think firstly, we need to try and actually have the ball in your position box um, to warrant the opportunities for defenders to foul our players to win penalties. There was a moment against Maidenhead where um, the ball bounced up and struck a Maidenhead's player on the arm in the penalty area. In front of the south stand at the time, you know, I'm 
pleading with the referee to give us that decision. Upon reflection, definitely, definitely not a penalty. So I don't know. It, I guess Safi is a great way of looking at it. We don't appear to try and, you know, coax defenders to leave legs out and trip over them. Um, we're just too honest, really. Um, apart from Falafield's rather strange um, theatrics away at Hartlepool last weekend, I can't think of any other real opportunities where we've tried to warrant a penalty, frankly. Maybe we just need, need more matches with um, Richard Aspinall officiating and we can just um, dive all over, over the place that we'll get more penalties. That's... That's my interpretation. Unfortunately, uh, your relative only seems to give them to the opposition. Vile. I'll have words. <laughs> yeah, next family gathering, just uh, just take it to one side. Next talking point comes from Ollie McDonald, who says, Discuss if it's right that our most creative player, Maz, is out on loan, and our best player of the last few years, Dyson, is also on loan when our midfield is extremely flat. Surely replacements should have been brought in first. And there was a little bit of a discussion with other people on Twitter about the about whether that was the case or not. Uh, I mean, we did discuss those two leaving on a recent episode. I think we said yeah. probably not going to be missed too much because, you know, Adley's seen him on the training ground and in matches and he's decided there's no better than other options at the club. Mm-hmm. Um, just thinking about it in terms of the Maidenhead game, I guess... We could think, you know, would either of them coming off the bench have made a difference? I think Dyson, probably not. Maz, maybe. You know, he, he offers something a little bit different. Whether he's our most creative player, I don't know. But he's certainly one of the only players who can, um, you know, worry defences by running at them. Is is there an argument that we were a bit hasty sending him out on loan? Or do you think it was fair enough? I think it was fair enough. And I, you do have to remember with Maz, it was just for a month. And that's, the rumour is, isn't it? That uh, he's confirmed locally that he returns to York after a month, so I think this is more to get him out, out back out on the field, get some minutes into his legs, and come back fresh for our relegation fight in a division above. So I don't think his f- future's completely over at York. And with Dyson, he wasn't getting into the side. He deserves an opportunity to play. I think we discussed, didn't we? It, the top of NLN is probably his level, so you can't say further than that. I suppose the tweet has a good point about making sure that reinforcements are brought in. But perhaps Ardley's happy enough with what he's got in that central midfield for now, with an eye on Batty returning. Um, Finley Barnes is back um, in the fold. He made a cameo appearance against Hightley Paul and slightly longer against Maidenhead. Similar sort of player to Maz, perhaps, you know, um, a fleet-footed, creative player, albeit um, Barnes obviously has, is left-footed as opposed to, to Maz. So I guess with those two gone, you're missing them in terms of numbers, but I don't think you're missing them completely in terms of what they could bring, you know, to a match, especially something as tight as a one all against Mainhead on Saturday. So yeah, I can definitely understand why they went out with uh out adequate replacements coming in first. Yeah, I thought it was probably the signing of Chadwick that spelled the end for Maz because he's been playing on the left where Maz mm. would often play. And again, he's a similar kind of player who likes to to run at defenders. So I think he is seen as as our main creative outlet there. Hasn't quite clicked yeah. for him yet. But yeah, let, let's see how that develops. Next talking point is quite a big one. And there were a few different <laughs> tweets relating to this. Um, summed up by Dave Hughes, who says, in quotation marks, we're too good to go down. J286 uh, goes into a bit more detail by saying, 16 fixtures remaining. 10 against current top half sides, including Southend. Ardley has set a target of 50 points for survival. If we replicate our results against the remaining sides from the first time we played them, we'd take 15 points, which would leave us on 49. Confidence rating out of 10. Now that is a nice stat. Well, it's not a nice stat. It's a, it's a worrying stat, but it's a, it's a good one to um, consider. What are, your yes. thoughts? what are your thoughts on this? If if we had to put a confidence rating out of 10... On staying up? Yeah, I mean, I think the... 6.9. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was going to say 7. So in terms <laughs> of that would mean I'm 70% confident we'll stay up, but that leaves 30% chance we could go down, which is a lot higher than I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the worry is the teams around us are winning. 
Yeah, we're not too good to go down. I think we, we've covered that before. There's not really yeah. any such thing. You know, there'll be four teams who get relegated. That's the way it works. We just have to be make sure we're not one of them and that we're better than four of them. But if we're down amongst it after 30 games, then no, we're not too good to go down. So we have to make sure we do enough to not go down. The mm-hmm. thing about replicating our results, I think, is maybe a bit of a red herring because some of them were at the start of the season under Morton and I think we're a bit of a different beast now. Yeah. So I still think we should have enough. But he's right that we've got a tough run in, particularly the last few games. Um, if you look at the fixture list, you know, we end at Solihull, but we've got some... I'd rather not do that if I'm honest with you, Simon. <laughs> okay, well, we'll maybe do that in a future episode then. <laughs> But yes, we've got a few home games coming up soon, which we really need to be looking at winning because we don't want to be going into the last few uh, needing to pick up points. Yeah, I I do worry about sleepwalking into relegation 2017 style. We so very nearly did it last season, didn't we? So I should really be more alert than this. I just keep coming back to the fact that now we've got a left back and we're now going to have, when Batter comes back, improvements in midfield and we'll play a bit more fluid and a bit more attacking and we'll get the wins against the sides around us and all these sort of things and I know I'm presuming and I know I should not I should absolutely not be doing that but I just simply can't help it because I just can't see how my mind wants us to go down you know so yeah I think the uh, replicating the points thing is a bit of a red herring the sides around us annoyingly are winning that is fair but we still have you know filed and dorking at home We still have winnable fixtures um, around us. When we had the three-five-two, for example, we were going to teams that were probably better than us, such as uh, Rochdale, and being unlucky not to win. You know, so get that defensive solidity back. Forget about Hartlepool. You know, we don't have to go there again. We should be able to claw our way up there. The strike force we've got is very decent. Arguably, we've got the best striker in the second half of the division in Akinyemi. Getting match fit. It, there's so many things that we can be positive about. Uh, admittedly, there's things that we can be negative about. But if we're looking at this in a positive manner, we really do have it in our hands to to survive and survive rather comfortably if we just push the players up a little bit more. Yeah, when I look at it with my rational hat on, I mm-hmm. think we, we should be all right. But, you know, yeah. You mentioned 2017. There's always just that worry at the back of your head, isn't there? That you want to be safe early so it doesn't turn into a, a really panicky one uh, like yeah. it was last season I guess yeah there's one other talking point that I can see you've added which is breaking news mm. that, that Matt Oogler has been fined £250 for his social media posts following the Outfleet game now if it's alright with you could we cover that one properly next time because I want to read the, the statements and everything to see what the alleged offence is and things like that as well as you know if Oogler's going to respond in any way mm-hmm. I mean we were all pretty annoyed at the ref after that one I can't remember the exact tweet so yeah let's maybe park that one for now and let's look ahead to the couple of fixtures coming up for York next week so first up we have a trip away to South End on sea uh, return fixture of our biggest win of the season, that 3-0 mm-hmm. at home. Southend are on 34 points, much like ourselves, although they do have the excuse of a points deduction, in fairness. Um, and they're currently in the middle of a takeover. I understand, I'm not sure what stage it's at, but um, positive news. I think Oogler's just checking if he can run two clubs. I think that's where it's up to. <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of their recent form, Southend have had back-to-back defeats to Chesterfield and Gateshead, but before that they did have back-to-back wins against Halifax and Southend, it says here, so they beat themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Don't beat yourself up, Simon. Let Southend do that. Yeah. Um, hang on, let me check who they actually played. Brilliant. So before that they had back-to-back wins against Halifax and Eastleigh, and I believe... There have not been any draws at Roots Hall this season. Oh, just you wait until Saturday, baby. <laughs> if there's one team who can uh, bring an end to that run, it's York City. So the danger man, probably Harry Cardwell. He's got 12 goals this season. There was some rumoured interest from football league clubs in January, mm-hmm. but they managed to hold on to him. Yeah, what are we anticipating from this one? 
I think probably... Score draw, move on. Yeah, probably a point would be a good result, <laughs> do you think? A point would be a great result, wouldn't it? And yet, I'd still be nervous as anything <laughs> if it's just a, a draw. Um, I'd take a draw right now, to be honest with you. Uh, a difficult place to go to. A relatively big side in this division. Finding their feet now um, with the rumour takeover. Cardwell's probably one of the better strikers in this division. Those 12 goals that you mentioned. They're definitely not the side that we faced um, back at the start of the season when we got our first win, win of the year. Well, the level 11 men on the pitch, for one thing. You, well, you, you know, you never know with these things. We might get a bit of luck from the referee. But they'll definitely have a full subs bench this time, that's for sure. So, yeah, I think it comes into play in terms of, you know, what do we do with the midfield? Will Amos um, start? Will he feature? If not him, Matty Fairweather, maybe. So it remains to be seen. It's very difficult to give a, an informed prediction without that knowledge. But I'll try and be positive about it. I think we can definitely get a draw here, if not a surprise sneaky win. But again, it's just based on how strong that defence is, if we can shut them down, shut the danger man down. And yeah, it's, I don't think it's, it's going to be uh, one for the purists, much like many of our fixtures since Ardley took over. Yeah, and will you be bringing the helicopter into action again? Oh, you better believe it. I'm going to be dusting that massive chopper off and I'm going to be watching this game fully legally over the North Sea. Excellent. But that's not the only fixture we have next week. We have the rescheduled fixture against Dorking at home. home. Uh, Obviously, uh, Mark White wasn't too happy when when the original game was was called off. They've actually been playing tonight away at Altering. I'll just check how they... Got on, Dorking. Mm-hmm. Yep, let me know. Uh, oh, that's been a late postponement. So, uh, oh, hmm. Someone should probably check on Mark White, shouldn't they? Yeah. But yeah, hopefully this one will go ahead. So, bizarrely, Dorking also have 34 points. Uh, so, there's three teams on, on 34 points, and we're playing the other two back to back. Great. Um, so, yeah, it's another. Another game against a relegation rival. So we drew two all in the away game this season. Quite an early game with uh, Maz and Dippo scoring. That was in the Morton era, lest we forget. Mm. Since the turn of the new year, Dorking have won three and lost three out of their six games. So, yeah, difficult to know what to expect from them. They're obviously decent on their day. I remember the game last season at the LNR was an important 2-1 win for us. In March, where, to be honest, we we were really quite dominant, actually, um, and mm-hmm. then started panicking towards the end of the game uh, and give them a goal back. But can we expect similar? Some people say part-time teams struggle on, on midweek long trips away. I mean, it would be same old city to not um, capitalise on um, Dorking's part-time status and, you know, really run them into the ground. But I have faith that Adley would know what to do and how to win this game. Uh, based on that fact. So um, it feels like a million miles away, doesn't it? Because of the uh, upcoming Southend fixture, potentially Batty returning, potentially new players, potentially midfielder, who knows? So it's very, very difficult again to really get your, get immersed in this fixture and, and come out with some predictions and such. But uh, I would really hope that based on positive performance or a positive result, a bigger pardon, away at Southend, fingers crossed, we can go into the dark in home game feeling a bit more um, relaxed about having our fate in our hands. So um, I really hope we can get a positive result against Dorking for reasons unrelated to their manager, I promise you. Honestly, Governor. Based on the our striking options, based on Amos turning into a player of the season early, I'm going to go with um, a 2-1 win again. Oh, and Southend, I'll take one all. Let's make it very clear. But yeah, the fixtures are going to start coming thick and fast. We are going to be playing Saturday, Tuesday, as Neil Adley likes to say. We might see a run out for some of the fringe players, I guess, like Barnes, Kennedy perhaps, mm. um, getting a bit more game time. So yeah, that'll be one to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. But yes, we will be covering both of those games in our next instalment. I had some good reaction to the last episode, despite the 
ridiculous episode title, which was uh, which was really <laughs> testing the, the character limits on, on social media as well. But yes, yeah, so, some great feedback on that one. So thanks as ever for the comments. We, we genuinely appreciate it. Um, we had an updated Apple podcast review as well. Mm. And it's Castro's biggest fan again. I think they might be same old city's biggest fan because um, yeah, they've they've given us another <laughs> good review. So it says it's getting better all the time. It sounds like a song lyric. That mm. all YTFC should give this a listen. And where else can you see Neil Adley's head photoshopped onto Britney Spears's body? Genuinely excellent stuff. Let's see those ballroom podcast guys do a Photoshop like that. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, if you do want to leave us a, a review on on Apple Podcasts or wherever. Mm-hmm you listen to your podcast that does make a big difference to us and we just like to read them but no there is a new series of york hospital ball out as well i've given the first episode a listen uh with 70s legend jimmy seal and mm-hmm. that is that is well worth a listen as well so so do check those out yeah i will be checking out um many if not all of their pods for their 11th ser- ser- series 11 series how do you... i'm sick of you after 23 episodes not to mention all the retro stuff. And don't forget, guys, if you don't already, uh, make sure that you follow our social media channels, Same Old City Pod, on both Twitter slash X, and also on Instagram, where we post all of our lovely Photoshop graphics and sometimes memes, which get liked by the uh, chairman, I think. Did that happen today, Simon? Yeah, I believe so. You did a, an excellent meme of the Pope holding yeah. up a, uh, a picture of, of Danny Amos. So... Hopefully, Matt Ugler's not going to get fined for liking our tweets as well. But <laughs> yes, that would be that would be a good one to get him fined by the National League and the Roman Catholic Church in the same week. But yeah, as Ben says, do give us a follow. Uh, do get involved in our discussions. We we like to see the talking points that people come up with. It makes our job easier because we don't have to think of them. But yeah, there's some genuinely interesting discussions I think that uh, that have arisen from them. So Absolutely. thank you very much for those, and thank you for listening. But until next time. Keep the faith. When the-